Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. We're ramping up now for the 2022 WDF World Championships, just a, just a couple of weeks away now. Draws all been done, there's planned schedules out and certainly the excitement is real from my perspective. I'm sure a lot of other people are uh, as well and there's two great guests on this week's show, both of them will be playing at Lakeside in the new year, at Sean McDonald and Lee Shewan. First up is Sean McDonald, who has had, by his own admission, a frankly ridiculous comeback year to the sport. After more than 10 years away, Sean returned at Q School in January and got through to the final stage. I caught up with him after that run. Since then, he signed with the Big Five Management Group. He's won a Challenge Tour title, came second on the Challenge Tour Order of Merit, won the Irish Classic title and come in as one of the reserves for the Lakeside World Championships. He gets his tournament underway on the 2nd of January against Dave Parletti. And I caught up with Sean last week to talk his comeback year, his aspirations for Lakeside and a lot more besides. I'm now delighted to be joined by the punisher Sean McDonald. Sean, how are you? Good morning, Andrew. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, very well, thank you, mate. Great to have you back on the show. It's been a bit of a whirlwind year for yourself. Congratulations on the, the Lakeside qualification. You left it a bit late, but how big was the, the sense of relief for you that you didn't have to play in that qualifier last Sunday? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we'll call it Fergie time. That's how late it was. Um, oh, it, it, well, it, it was a relief. Obviously, you, you want to... Um, you want to qualify automatically. But, you know, I was prepared to play in the qualifier. I, I didn't go to Italy. Um, I had commitments. I wasn't actually booked to go to Prague, but after winning the, the Irish Classic, um, you know, I picked one of the two weekends I could go to to chase one last set of points um, and didn't pick up any. So, you know, in my head, I wasn't through. So I, I was prepared to play the qualifier, and it, it would have been a tough field to come through. There's no doubt about that. But um, so it wasn't really relief. It was more more excitement when the news came through. To be fair, something I did want to ask. Obviously, you were in the World Youth Masters a long time ago now, um, and I know when you won it, it was at Bridlington. But I know you played it the year before. Have you actually played at Lakeside before, or will January be the first time for you? No, I have. Yeah, on the floor. So I, I lost to um, Jose Rodriguez from Spain. The quarterfinals when I was 16, so that would have been 2001. No, it was at Lakeside, yeah. Uh, only the the boys' final was the only match that was on the stage at Lakeside, which was between Jose and, and Stephen Bunting. Um, Stephen won that match. Um, so I, I, didn't, I didn't experience the on-stage level, but yeah, I have played in the venue in the same room where the fans are going to be. You talk about the Irish Classic. The win there put you in the, the position to, to be a reserve to get into Lakeside and then eventually get in. It was a long old day. You had to, to win the nine games in the end. Talk me through that day and particularly your final with Josh Rock on the stage. Yeah, I think the, the draw came out... Well, we knew the draw before, but I, I, I didn't know... Um, I didn't know of my opponent. To be fair, I don't know of many opponents having having just came back. But I'd, I'd seen him win the youth uh, the day before, so you know that 
probably helped that I was mentally prepared for a tough match straight off. And I played played very well early doors at a few 90-plus averages. Well, I, I know that from you sitting doing the scores and telling me what my average was, so thanks for that. Yeah, and then as the day went on, it you know, became really difficult to try and keep yourself going at that level. And I'd say probably from about the last 16 onwards, I just played well when I had to, which you know is a great asset to have that you can raise it when you really need to. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just really about about stamina after that stage because, like you said, to win nine games in, in one day. Um, you know, and they weren't exactly back to back early on. You do have gaps between your first four or five rounds, and then it, it quickens up as you get through to the later stages. Final against Josh, you know, I've watched it back. Um, probably the same. You know, I started okay. Josh didn't. Josh then took control, went three two up, and then I picked it up again when I had to when I was under pressure. So, I'd just like to say a word on Josh as well. Welcome to Big Five, Josh. He's he's recently joined us. Uh, so he'll be um, in our camp for and Q School will be the first first time I'll I'll see him again. So um, good to have him on board because he's certainly a talent. Hmm, for sure, definitely. He was very impressive during that weekend. And you you talk about you know not necessarily always being at your best during that stretch, but still winning. I think a a prime example of that was that the quarter final against Gareth Gray. He'd beaten you in the Irish Open on the Saturday, and then in the quarter final he had real problems on the doubles and you know you managed to just kind of trudge your way through that one and get the win and then stepped it up in the, the next round against Diogo Portella mm-hmm. that, that was probably my poorest performance on Sunday against Gareth and uh, there's no reason why why it was against Gareth because actually in the day before on Saturday I'd, I'd played very well um, I was 2-0 down and, and got back to 3-2 up some good darts and, and Gareth went 14-13 I think to beat me 4-3 so you know it wasn't as if I'd played poorly against him twice um, you know I, I, I just he'd stepped up brilliantly on Saturday Sunday was just he was probably feeling the same I was you're, you're just trying to keep yourself going up. that was match number 7 of the day um, and I just kind of dug in really and, and managed to to somehow find a way, which, you know, again, is a great asset to have. And since the, the comeback this year, the weekend in Ireland was just your second weekend on the, the WDF tour. Do you still feel there's a lot of sort of learning to be done for, for yourself from those weekends and the environment, the setting, the regularity of the games compared to the stuff you're doing on the PDC? Yeah, ma- massively. I, I haven't played WDF stroke old school video since I was 19, so I'd be 17 years ago, because I'd, I'd, I'd done a bit of PDC after that and then obviously stopped playing altogether, so it is different. And not only is it different as in WDF versus PDC, every WDF event is different because it's run by the local country, um, the organisation there, and uh, you know, every setup can be different. Sometimes you're, you're chopping, sometimes it's whiteboard, sometimes it's dark connect, um, sometimes the boards are more spaced out, sometimes they're back-to-back, sometimes they're not, you know, so you've got to adapt to all these kind of conditions. And, um, 
there, there will be loads of learning. I'm sure people like Ross Montgomery are still learning, played the scene for years and years and years, and there'll still be something that will be different, you know, when it turn up when it turns up to a different tournament. And um, you know, you just same for both players. You just have to adapt. Now we'll come on to the draw for Lakeside because you know you who you're going to be playing in the first couple of rounds in a bit. Um, but I wanted to touch on your comeback year. Really, it started with you doing better than probably you had anticipated you were going to uh, Q School, then you were on the podcast, and soon after that you were picked up by Big Five. So in terms of Big Five, what was your reaction when they wanted to speak to you and, and sign you up, and how big of a difference have they made to, to your 2021? Initial reaction was, I kind of need to find out what this is all about. I, I had no experience of this. This you know, management companies weren't on the go when I played before. So I had loads of questions for Paul. Um, I was interested in the business makeup of it just because of the nature of the work I'm in myself. Um, so I was interested in that side of the business, how it ran, um, what its intentions were. Um, you know, every business is there to make profit. So what does that mean for the players? Um, and then... Once I kind of got the business side out of the way, it's all about, right, okay, let's just run through a scenario. I want to go to a tournament. What happens? You know, what do we discuss? What do we book? You know, costs, etc. I had a lot of learning to do. And then, you know, I had, after agreeing um, a contract with Big Five, then I had a, a gap. This is probably end of February, start of March. Um, there was nothing until August. The challenge tour. So it's kind of in, in in the dark. I'm I'm in a couple of WhatsApp groups all of a sudden, and I'm speaking to people I've never met. And you're thinking, well, all right, but I'd love to experience a tournament. Um, so that delay obviously just kind of brought that feeling th- uh, further forward. And then come August, you experience it for the first time, and you realise that everyone at Big Five have experienced both Paul and Steve. Um, taking care of us at a tournament and literally their aim is to make sure that you don't have to think about anything other than when you start your first match it's over to you at the hockey um, you know and that that's fantastic you just you know where you're going your logistics are done you get up in the morning your, your breakfast done you get yourself ready you get to the venue I, I like to disappear myself in practice. Some of us like to practice together. Paul's back at you as soon as the draw is done, or Steve's back at you as soon as the draw is done. Right, you're 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 bored eleven at uh, third game on. You're playing such and such, um, and they just keep you updated all day. And obviously, the Dark Connect system on PDC you don't have to put your results in, but even on the WDF side, Paul's always at the control desk. From my experience in in Denmark and, and Ireland. And he's, he's just always keeping you right. And, you know, that, that that's a great thing to have. You, I remember all these horrors at the Scottish Open when I was younger, when I started going at like 15, 16, and you would just hear people getting shouted over the control desk and are they going to miss it? Are they not? Are they in the room? Just all that kind of brings anxiety and, and you don't want that. You just want to know when you're playing start your preparation, do what you like to do and, and get up and play in Big Five, you know, make all that possible. I think one of the main things, obviously, you, you came through at Q School and some people saw you there, but I think one of the avenues where people 
really started to get to know who you were, it's where you got your nickname from, was the Live League, which you played a fair bit in earlier in the year. How beneficial was that Live League for your game and for your confidence? Uh, yeah, huge, absolutely huge. Um, I, I can't, I can't big up the online darts live league enough because the environment it puts you in um, is a little bit like Big Brother, I would imagine. There's six players in the players' room, like you're playing four hours. You're probably in for six hours a day together for three days at the start. So you build a bit of a rapport. You get to know people, um, and especially that time when we're kind of still in and out of lockdowns. You didn't have that. You, you hadn't been to the pub with your mates. You hadn't really interacted with people. It had all been on Teams or Zoom or whatever. So um, I felt it really it really helped from all aspects, the social side of life as well. And then when you get into the playing room, you know the cameras are on. You know you have to play well. It's just you, your opponent, and the referee, and, it, and it's absolutely silent. The great thing about it as well is you can watch yourself back I, I picked up a couple of things in my own game just from watching myself back. I'd never seen myself play before from that angle. Um, and that was huge. And then getting to know people like Phil Bars from, from Online Darts and, you know, I, I follow their channel as well. Um, and I've got on really well with some of the guys that run the show there. You know, it just kind of, it, it made me feel part of the darting community again. I, I had a lot of finding out to do and I still am finding out, Andrew. I just... I, I couldn't even tell you who was playing darts when I came back. Um, so plugging into a community like that and getting all that match experience against, you know, the top players outside the one two eight was was hugely beneficial to my game, and it, it certainly helped me go into Challenge Tour with some good form. I mean, you, you talk about the, the the analytical stuff. I wanted to ask you about that because. Steve, part of Big Five, was telling me that you know you'd watched your games back in the live league and made like a, a minuscule adjustment to your throw, and that sort of led to the the turnaround for you when you went on that long winning streak. Now you've seen me play darts, and you know I'm not particularly good. So how how did you do it, and how could someone like me be able to do it? How do you watch your game and make that adjustment? It, it was actually a comment made by by Paul Nicholson that made me realise it was about my points. The points I was using was a standard point and they were sinking quite far into the board. And when he when he pointed that out, all he said was Sean's points sink quite far into the board. Um, so I, I wonder if um, if that causes a bit more of an, an obstruction than other players. And then I, I kind of focused on that, watching my games back and I noticed that I was getting my, my deflections off my dart were quite big, so it was fine if it was right on top of the treble wire. You could bounce off it and in. But if it was in, more often than not, it was bouncing out. Um, and I simply added two mils onto my points and went for a more aggressive point. They now stand out more, and my scoring stats have, have soared compared to what I was throwing in that first version of the Live League. And something as small as that, a two mil difference in your point or ridges so that the point doesn't sink as far, all of a sudden I can see more of the target. And, and when you know when you get one not right at the bottom of the treble and it's just slightly higher, um, if you hit the previous start, it flicks in rather than flicks down. Um, and you know when you're trying to stack and trying to score heavy, that's a, a, good, a good advantage to have. If you move on to the, the challenge tour side of things, you won event five this year. 
were you surprised that the event win had come so quickly for you? And then the second block of events, you were runner-up in event seven and in a very good spot to, to claim the tour card that eventually went to Jim Williams. You missed out by just £100 in the end, which I imagine was incredibly tough, especially when, to some extent, missing out was, was beyond your control. Yeah, and th- this is the thing. I, I, I kept quiet at the time. O- only the people inside my camp knew because I didn't want it. I didn't want it to sour, it sound like sour grapes. I knew it wasn't going to go my way. At some point during event nine, perhaps against Niall Culleton, uh, Niall beat me in the last 16. It was a very good game. Niall played very well. Um, took out big finishes at the right time. But the two-hour wait between event nine and event 10 in the afternoon of the Saturday, when I went to pick my darts up to start practising for for event 10 I couldn't cock my wrist severe stiffness in my wrist and my forearm had ballooned up um, and I thought oh that's not good what's happened there so I don't know if I'd, if I'd pinged something or I just picked up a repetitive strain injury but blessed Dieter Hedman spent our Saturday night loading me up on Volterol icing my arm every half hour <laughs> half hour on half hour off trying to get the swelling down for Sunday and I just couldn't cock my wrist back. If you look at my throws, I'm, I'm, I'm quite aggressive on the wrist cock. Um, and I, I came up with a throw on Sunday morning where I had a straight wrist and I was throwing it back behind the shoulder instead of beside the face where I normally throw from just to try and get some leverage into the dart. And, um, you know, I shouldn't have played that really. I was only going to make it worse. And what I did was roll, me out, roll myself out of Celsius the following weekend because... I did make it worse, and I was I was out for about three weeks. But you know, when I, I went into that morning, fifty pounds away from from Ali Pali in a tour card, um, I had to play. I had to try, but I didn't want it to come out. So I just asked everyone in the camp to keep it quiet. I didn't want didn't want it to be to be sour grapes, and I didn't want my opponents to know either that I was carrying an injury. And I just I gave it my all and tried my best. I did win one match. But ultimately, you know, I knew in the back of my mind that it was going to be doing well to to try and win a few to win enough money to jump Jim, you know. To, to miss out in that way and, and everything, was that, especially obviously you miss Celsius as well, 
was that difficult to, to sort of get over mentally for you? Yeah, I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted. You know, to be that close to Ali Pali, and hindsight has also made it worse because if you remember at the start of that last event, there were still 10 players that could have won. Darren Beveridge, Jim McEwen, Martin Thomas. Uh, I think if any one of us had got to the semis or something, it would have been enough. And then even slightly below that, um, I find a lot of win. There were still about 10 players that, that could reach the top if other results went their way. So initially, you know, yes, I'd had the opportunity taken. And then after how Sunday went, I was like, oh my goodness. You know, to be, I, I'd, I'd wish Jim had gone on one Sunday and, and cleared away by 2,100 instead of 100 because then it wouldn't have felt so bad. But once hindsight came and, and you realised how close you were, and you start going back over the match, well, if I just won that one or I just won that one, you know. But, um, yeah, I was a bit low for for a few days. And then that that's kind of what that really did motivate me to try and make Lakeside to be so close to Ali Pali. I thought, right, OK, I lost Selzy, so I, that reduced my opportunity even more. I couldn't go to the Welsh, I couldn't go to the British because we had a family holiday booked. So I didn't leave a lot of opportunity to try and make Lakeside, but I thought, you know what, I'm just I'm, I'm going to pick what I can go to and see if I can do it. And, you know, being so close to Ali Pali definitely, definitely motivated me to try and do it. But through, obviously, what's been a, you know, a, a very impressive comeback here for you, twofold question, what would you say has been your biggest strength this year and what would you say is the thing you, you still need to improve on the most after this year? Biggest strength is without a doubt mental strength that's probably where my nicknames come from as well I seem to have this ability to just never give up um, my opponent can be on a double and I can be on 300 I will still try and win that leg I'll, I'll try and score as heavy as I will never go on the next leg until it's done and I think I've won plenty of matches this year where I've been outscored I think scoring could, could be done with a fair bit of improvement still I have spells but I don't believe I score as heavy as, as some of the big hitters out there. And you'd think that scoring would be would be the easier part of the game, but it, it, it doesn't seem to be for me at the minute. You know, I, I do have spells where I, I do score at that level, but just nowhere near as consistent as your top players, which is kind of made up by, by my finishing ability. I mean, the, the number of... Ton plus checkouts I would have taken out this season if I if I actually if I was sad enough to go and look at it all and add it all up. <laughs> I think it would be very very high. So that there's the strengths and weaknesses I believe are, are there in my game, and I think the biggest advantage I've probably got over everyone else, Andrew, and I'm really grateful for this, is that this really is my hobby, and I'm just I'm just there to have fun, and I just go up and relax, and and I try and win obviously, and I'm very competitive, but. You know, I, I'm under no pressure to to win at all. Even even if I went lo and behold and, and, and pulled off the biggest surprise and managed to win, like I said, I'll still be into work on the following Monday. Um, and uh, you know, this this really is a hobby that I really enjoy, and I've, I've really enjoyed getting back into it. And I think having having that attitude and and just treating it as fun and this is my thing. Um, I think it takes a lot of the weight off my shoulders and, and that gives me a good advantage on some others that maybe 
are trying to really make it and and, um, and put themselves under a bit of pressure. There was a picture on Twitter, Facebook the other day of you and a certain Alan Souter enjoying a practice session. Uh, I know you've done a couple of those during the year as well. What do you typically do during those sessions with suits? Uh, we well, do a few things. When when it's just the two of us, we, we don't just play standard matches. We, we do a few other things like JDC Virtual. Suits is big on that. and We've we got a little WhatsApp uh, group going as well just to try and make it competitive as we as we lead up to the worlds and kind of setting each other daily targets to try and beat or try and have a daily winner and all that kind of thing um, so we do a bit of that we do a bit of finishing and, and obviously we play plenty of, of standard games varies we sometimes play legs it kind of depends what's coming up when, when we're practicing for, for pro tour and challenge tour we just kind of do best of 11 legs and then just that the day gone by there that we were practicing, we were, we were doing loads of sets. It's really, really good. You always get the benefit from a good practice. We've got another one booked just before Suits travels down next week to play Ali Pali. And the more practice that I can get of someone at his level, you know, the, the better for me. And I can only imagine they're uh, particularly competitive given what I know about both of you. Uh, yeah, there's a few times that uh, the phrase, right, let's stop talking, is said. <laughs> Because uh, we're kind of chatting halfway through, and then it knocks your concentration, and then whoever's losing usually goes right enough, no talking, let's play. <laughs> so looking ahead to the World Championships, you'll be playing Dave Paletti first on the, the Sunday. What did you make of, of that draw, and how do you see the game playing out between you two? The draw was was very exciting. Sitting watching that and waiting for your name to come out was uh, was pretty cool. I've watched plenty of draws before, but never went up in it once. So I, it, it didn't really matter who I was going to draw. Uh, I think coming in, coming in as a reserve, you're just grateful that you're in. And you know, it, it didn't didn't really matter. Everyone, I mean, you're in the last four to eight, so everyone can play. It, it wouldn't have mattered who I drew. My, my outlook won't change. I'm going to go and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to really enjoy the experience. And, you know, I, I think if I'm there having fun, enjoying myself um, in that kind of relaxed state, then my best stars will come out. So I'm not putting myself under any pressure whatsoever to win. Um, I, I'm going to do my best to win. I'm going to, I'm going to prepare properly, as I always do. I'm going to follow my own routine that I think gets my, my best game out um, and I'll go up there and I'll have fun and if it happens, fantastic and if it doesn't, you know, I'll shake Dave's hand and I'll wish him all the best for the for the rest of the tournament I've never met Dave um, obviously I know all of him but uh, I'm sure he's got ambitions to, to win that first game just as I do uh, he won't know me either, I would imagine so um, yeah, a bit of an unknown from that point of view but I'm playing on the outside stage. <laughs> the result doesn't matter. You know, I'm just I'm just gonna go and enjoy myself. Yeah, for sure. And something I did want to ask. I know you put that poll up the other day. Is that you committed to coming out to Old MacDonald at a farm now? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> even even if the hilarity is at me, I couldn't care. Like it, it's come about. It was it was obviously that the whole idea was born and. In Ireland, 
from from uh, Margaret Sutton and, and Dita Herdman. Dead and Nick Gross to do it, and he did it, and he did it twice actually. Um, and everyone seemed to just have fun of it. My boys are young, so that's that's a bit of a influence on it. If my boys were teenagers, they'd be saying, "Dad, boys up, can't do that." Um, but uh, I think they'll enjoy it, and I think the crowd will enjoy it, and everyone will be laughing at me, but I couldn't care. Um, I think it'll be it'll be funny, and it'll be it'll be great fun. And like I say, that that that'll play part of the of the me having fun. I I, I imagine. I hope that I'll take some of the nerves off and I'll just go up and I'll be laughing myself and then, um, you know, I'll, I'll be relaxed, ready to start on those practice starts on the stage. So, yeah, let's have fun. Why not? <laughs> and something, uh, something I did want to ask as well. I know I think one of your sponsors is a, a tattoo artist and you've got some of his tattoos. What What is the ink on your arm? He's not one of my sponsors. He's, he's just a, a good friend. Um he did help me at Q School, to be fair, but he's he's not he's not one of my mainstay. He won't be on the shirt, but I've got um I've got a couple of pieces with my boy's names and uh, one's one's his signature rose with, with my boy's name written into it, and another's a, a pocket watch with uh, my firstborn's uh, date and time of birth, um, and there's a little bit of darts on the top as well, shaded in and. A few other bits and bobs. There's the, the first tattoo actually wasn't done by him. That was uh, that was on a drunken stag do where I've I've got a, a Celtic band with uh, my wife's name dropping from a pendant from it. So I better point out that that wasn't him because I'm not not sure he's he's particularly pleased with the art on that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, we were all young once. <laughs> of course. And I know it's going to be a busy 2022 for you. You've got Q School January potentially Tour Card Challenge Tour you know, whatever, but just assessing this year, 2021, how do you look back on this year? Because I imagine how it's ended is very different to, to how you expected it would end when you when you kick things off in, in February. Lakeside puts the gloss on what's been a bit of a ridiculous combat season, to be fair. I, I went to Q School to see how far off I was. I didn't play at all for 10 years. I started playing again with my boys during lockdown. Um, and then, you know, we, we spoke about before how I, how I picked up the practice from there. And then I just kind of, it, it's just all kind of came back to the level I was before. But I'm a bit more mature. I'm winning games now that I maybe would have lost in my younger years. And, uh, yeah, to, to, if, if you'd said to me, you'll get to the final stage of Q School, you will go to the online league and, you know, break the record for, for a winning run. You'll win a week. You'll be runner-up in a Champions Week. You'll win a challenge to your runner-up of another. Be second in the order of merit get to the quarterfinals in Denmark, win the classic and get to Lakeside. And I told you to, you know, maybe you should be going checking your mental health out because I don't think you're in the right place at night. You know, it's just been, it's been great. It's kind of picked up as it's gone on. And yeah, the, the gloss of Lakeside is it, just, you know, I remember being young looking, thinking, oh, how good would it be to play there? I, my grandmother 
is going to be watching me on TV having watched Lakeside all of our days. So the pride there is just going to be immense. You know, it's just, it's just fantastic. I'm sitting telling you this with a smile on my face because uh, it's just it's just been so good and I've, so, I've enjoy, thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's great to be back involved and it's great to be playing at this level. And um, I just want to keep improving. That, that, that's the thing. It's, I'm not just going, oh, well, that was great, fantastic, what a great year. I'm actually thinking, OK, you've got this far. But if we keep on playing, can we keep improving? And if that happens, then, well, obviously you'd expect more success to follow and, and that would be, it would just be excellent and, and um, you know, who knows how far we can go. 100%. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Sean. It's been a pleasure to follow your journey throughout the year and I look forward to, to catching up with you again at Lakeside in January. I hope you'll be there to support me, Andrew, will you? <laughs> I'm going to be there most of the week, so... Good stuff. I'll see you there. Look forward to it. It was great to, to catch up with Sean and go into such depth about his comeback here. It's been fascinating to, to follow his story. And obviously, he got signed by Big Five after his appearance on the, the podcast last time. So I felt a personal investment in his journey this year. What he's produced after just one year back, I think is a worrying sign of, of what's going to come from him in the next months and years because the ability is obviously there and as he gets back up to speed with the meticulous analytical mindset he's got, he's just going to keep going up and up and up and be or continue to be an incredibly challenging opponent for anyone he comes up against. As I mentioned, he opens his World Championship account against Dave Parletti and that was one of a number of interesting first-round ties that came out of the draw which took place last Tuesday. I think probably the stand-up one for a lot of people in terms of name value was Martin Adams, the three-time world champion, taking on Jared Cole, who came through the, the Lakeside qualifier. It's sort of the oldest man in the field against the, the second youngest. That's a cracking tie, and over the best of three sets could easily go either way. I think Leonard Gates against Johnny Haynes is another really nice tie. Aaron Turner against Jim McEwen should be quite competitive. Connor Scott, who's being considered a favourite by many. He plays Canada's Sean Burt, who's a very dangerous player. James Richardson plays Sebastian Steyer. Italy's Francesco Rossini, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago now, he takes on Ryan de Vried from the Netherlands. But there were two ties that stood out because of who was involved in them and the connection between those players. The first was the all-Belgian affair between John Desremo and Mario van den Bachade, they only live four or five hundred metres apart in Belgium and they drew each other in the first round. For John, it's his first world championship. Mario, he's coming in as a semi-finalist from the O2, so that's tough on both of them. And the other one was the all-Lancastrian affair between Lee Shewen and Jordan Brooks. I caught up with Lee, who's known as the Cobbler, last week to talk about that draw and how it's a tough one considering that him and Jordan have known each other since they were two years old. I'm now delighted to be joined by Lancashire's Lee Shewan. Lee, how are you? Uh, good, thanks, mate. How are yourself? Not too bad, thank you, mate. Not too bad. Congratulations on qualifying for the World Championships at Lakeside. When did you actually realise that you'd sealed your place? I think it was on the Saturday night when we went to Italy for the last event of the season. 
and I knew I was in a spot, but things could have changed. But I got to the quarter final on the Saturday in the Tilbury event, um, and I, I thought at that point I realised I'd done enough. And when you realised you were in, what were the, what were the emotions like? Yeah, um, yeah, it was a bit speechless. It was it was hard because I, I, I travelled with one of my friends. I've, I've actually drawn him actually in the draw, um, and he was very close as well. So it was. I didn't want to show too much emotion myself because I was waiting to see if, if he got in on the Sunday as well. Yeah, of course. Well, so at the time it was. Um, you know, I was obviously over the moon, but I was trying to sort of keep that inside a bit and to, to see if Michi uh, got there as well, to be fair. Mm. Well, we'll touch on you drawing Jordan in a minute because that's one of the stories of the first round for me. But I know you've done some of the tour before, mostly the, the British-based events, but this year you've been to the English, the British, the Welsh and, of course, the, the Czech Republic and Italy as well. Was it the run to the quarterfinals in Celsius in September? Was that what spurred you on to... Keep chasing the points for the rest of the year. Yeah, to be honest, it was it was never really in the thought to get to Lakeside this year. When the when the lockdown happened, I, I didn't really play much start. You, you know, and I think in in a way that break was good for me because you sort of you miss something when you can't do it. Um, but yeah, we went to Chelsea as the first big tournament back, and we took the whole family down. Um, and the run to the quarterfinals uh, was obviously good, but even still at that point, to be honest, I, was, I wasn't thinking of qualifying for Lakeside, and we just went to Bridlington because I had the England qualifier for the, to get into the England team as well as two big tournaments, and I, I had a couple of good runs in Bridlington as well, and I, I think, to be honest, it, it might have been yourself, but I, I remember being at home after Bridlington, and I was just flicking through Twitter, and I actually seen it on the tweet that I've moved into a provisional spot, and I was, I was sort of gobsmacked, to be fair. And then once I realised I was I was there, I've, I've tried to stay there, so I've, I've done more tournaments than I normally would. Obviously, trying to keep in a lakeside spot. Yeah, you managed to stay there in the end, so that obviously worked out worked out well for you. And I know that you and I know some other players are in this boat as well. You've done the events this year without any real sponsorship or anything like that, so. How has that actually worked for you and how much of a challenge has that been? Yeah, I mean, I think I've never realised how hard it would be because I've never really done the tour. I've just, I've, I've played for years um, and I've always gone to certain events, but years ago it, it was more of like last weekend away, if I'm honest. Um, and then over the last few years I've, I've taken it a bit more serious, but I've only ever really gone to the odd one. So obviously trying to keep a lakeside spot and trying to get to as many tournaments as possible towards the end um, that's when you realise sort of how hard it is financially but luckily my partner backed me with it and she privatised darts for the last few months I couldn't have done it without her but yeah it certainly um, opened my eyes a bit to be fair and you've been travelling to most of the events this year with your good friend Jordan Brooks who's also playing at lakeside how long have you and Jordan actually known each other? Um, we've been best friends since we're two years old. We went to nursery together, um, and we were friends as babies at nursery. And then we've gone through primary school, high school. I mean, we're, like I say, many people will know that we're friends because we travel around the dart tournaments together. But what they may not know is, you know, we're, we're good friends outside of darts. You know, I've, I've been best friends with Jordan since I can remember. So going into the draw on Tuesday, had you and Jordan discussed the possibility that you could face each other? Um, 
I think it's come up once or twice, just jokingly, but no, not really, to be honest. Um, and, and I remember watching the draw live, and we was quite late on when we came out of the hat, so after sort of three or four, I can remember telling him to be part of it at the time, and that saying, you know, what's going to happen here, and unbelievably it did do. I mean, it's just unbelievable how things like that happen, but it's happened now, so nothing we can do about it, but it'll certainly be, be a strange experience. <laughs> and how many times would you say you guys have played each other over the years? Ah, oh, hundreds. Hundreds. Like, like I say, we've been good friends for a lot of years and we both played darts for the probably best part of 20 years, so we only played each other and beat each other many a times over over the years. It might be a difficult question. Who normally comes out on top? Uh, it, it depends, to be fair. Who's probably putting the more effort in at the time, but we've both beaten the other one on many occasions, so I think we'll both, you know, we'll both go up there knowing that if it's our day, we can be victorious and vice versa. Mm. Yeah, when the draw first came out, you can sort of look at it in two ways. I mean, in one way, it'll be amazing to share that experience with your best friend, you know, getting to the lakeside and playing on, you know, the most iconic stage, or in my opinion, the most iconic stage in darts. But then on the flip side of that, one of you is going to sort of end the dream of the other one. So, you know, it's just, it'll be a great occasion for our little town in Fleetwood and people obviously here have, you know, it's been big news that we've drawn each other in our town. Um, but, you know, we'll just, we'll just both prepare for the game as best as we can and it'll, it'll either be a day on, the, on, on that day or it won't. But either way, I'm sure the other one will support the, the, the player that won in the game against Wayne on the Tuesday night. So, between now and, and your first game on the 2nd of January, what will practice look like for you? I must admit, I'm not, I don't overly practice too much. So, what I didn't want to do is sort of, because I've, I've got some good friends who have played darts for years, and I've had, I've had some stories that you, you can actually over-practice. Um, so, I didn't want to change it too much, but I'll probably... I've got county weekend this weekend away with Lancashire. Um, I play a couple of times a week anyway, so I've always sort of keep my arm in. But I will start probably playing every night, but probably just keep it to about two hours. Yeah. That's the plan going forward. And, I mean, talking of county, you, I think it was the last county game you played. I think you got your 50th cap for Lancashire, so this one will be number 51. How was it that you actually got into the, the county team in the first place? I've been. I can. I remember when, when I was about sixteen or seventeen, I was good friends with Wes Newton. Uh, obviously, he played for Lancashire at the time, so I've, I, I've been watching the county set up probably for the best part of twenty years. Um, and I, I just got in the county set up through the Super League averages. Really, I mean, started playing well and being big averages um, for my Super League team, Fleetwood. Um, and then the call just came um, that you've been selected for the county team and can you come to the next match? Nice one. And so it's obviously just gone from there for you then? Yeah, I've been ever present for probably the last six seasons now. I've, you know, me and Kirsty, my partner, both up county. You meet, you know, you meet some fantastic people. So, you know, we really look forward to the weekend. So, yeah, it's one of my greatest achievements getting selected for the squad because, like I say, I remember at a time when I used to go and watch them you sort of in awe of the players when I was a teenager, you know, how good they all were and watching them go up on the stage. So to get selected and be able to do that myself was the dream come true, really. Yeah, of course. And Lancashire, obviously, a, 
traditionally always very strong as well, so it's a tough team to, to break into. Yeah, and staying as well. I think getting in the county team and obviously wanting to stay there has done me darts a world of good because it's, you have to be consistent. Mm. Uh, you know, it, obviously you, you have to stay at a certain average, running average throughout your seasons in your Super League team and win your games at county or you lose your place. So, you know, having to stay consistent has probably done me darts a world of good. But that's what we're all aiming for, really. I think we've all got an A game where it all works, you can sort of beat anybody, but it's about trying to, you know, be a bit more consistent or have a bit of a better B game where your A game might not be on, but you can still win the games. You mentioned sort of 16, 17, you were sort of getting into the, the Super League and all that kind of stuff. When did you actually first get introduced to the sport? I've got a brother who's 13 years older than me, so we've always had a dartboard in the house. So when I was a young, even when I was a young boy, there was always would have been a dartboard around. But I must be honest, I, I didn't really take the darts. I used to do a little bit of everything else. I played a lot of football. Um, and as we got to about 13, 14, we used to play snooker in the club that we played football for. And I remember the, the first time that I got into darts, the, the club that we played snooker for was short. And it, believe it or not, it was actually me and Jordan who was playing snooker together. Um, and they asked us could we come and help out and we went with them and I ended up playing that night and I, I just fell in love so I, ever since that night he signed us on properly so we could play the following week and I've I played ever since <laughs> so I would, I would say about 14 years old at that point and was dart something that you know you mentioned there was a dartboard in your house and your brother and stuff was dart something you watched on the TV at the time yes I've always been a, always been a big darts fan I'm 38 in February, so I think anybody at my age, when you're young and you're watching darts, that's why it, it'll mean so much to me getting to the late side. I mean, you've got the PDC now, so a lot of the youngsters will probably grow up and that will be the main stage. But for me growing up, you know, late side, that, that was the iconic stage. That's where you watched all your heroes. And, and who were the heroes for you when you were growing up then? So when I was young, the first players that I can remember really liking was Steve Beaton, Richie Dinnett. Um, those sort of players and obviously because I followed Lancashire you, you know the local ones Ronnie, Ronnie Baxter Alan Warrior because I used to see them playing for Lancashire I used to always support them but I always liked Steve B and he was always my favourite to be fair Looking ahead to, to like as you know, you now know that you're going to be playing on the, the Sunday afternoon have you made a decision yeah. yet what your walk-on song is going to be? Well, now, I'm just not, I'm just not going to change it, so it's a bit of a funny one. I sometimes get a bit of ribbon for it, but because my nickname's The Cobbler, I, um, I walk on song for Lancashire, indeed boots are made for walking. <laughs> um, so that, I'll, just, I'll just keep that one, keep that as it is, so that, that will be my walk on song for the lakeside as well. <laughs> so why are you the, the Cobbler then? Is that a work-related nickname or something else? Yeah, no, it's funny how it, I would... Just as I left school, I got a job scaffolding. Um, and obviously, because my name's Lee Shewan, one of the other scaffolders called me Shoeman. And as he shouted out, Shoeman passed me up. And I think it was a Paul that he wanted me to pass him up. One of the other scaffolders just, just come out with it. Shoeman, what is he, a cobbler? And he was just one of their nicknames that stuck. And because it was sort of five or six scaffolders at the time, they all played darts as well. That nickname then went to darts at the night time. And, and within a couple of weeks, everybody was calling it me, and, that, and it's just stuck. It's, it's been called that for 20 years. 
Well, looking ahead to, to Lakeside in January, I know you've got a, a difficult first-round game and then Wayne Warren after that. Have you set any expectations for yourself for your debut or are you just looking to sort of enjoy the experience and see what happens? Yeah, it's, a, it's an hard line because I, I sort of told myself I, I certainly wasn't there to make the numbers up because I, I, you know, I know I've got the ability to be anybody on the deck. Um, but I also wanted to make sure that I enjoyed the experience. I mean, it's a great achievement to get there as a sort of dream come true. And I think sometimes in the past, like I look back on my county debut, you can sort of worry about it too much and then before you know it, the, the experience has been and gone. And you probably not enjoyed it as much as so I certainly are telling myself that I'm going to try and take it all in and enjoy the whole experience. Um, but no, I've not really set targets to, uh, to win this amount of games. I'll just make sure that I prefer correctly. I think one of the one of the things that playing so many county games has learned me is it's a lot in the mind. Mm. You know, you have to have your mind right. So if if I put the effort in on the practice ball before and then go in there with the right mindset, um, I'll hopefully just play well. Um, and it, it'll either be my day on the day or it won't. Um, we'll see what happens. And you've had the, the taste of doing the tour sort of properly, as it were, this year. And I know in the past you've done Q School and the, the Challenge Tour. At the moment, what are you thinking your, your plans and agenda is going to be for darts in 2022? It'll certainly be busy. Um, we definitely... Like I say, I'd sort of had a couple of years where I didn't do too much. And then in the pandemic, when the lockdown happened, I, I really didn't throw at all. Um, we did a little bit of an online thing for local lads around Fleetwood on a Friday night, and I played in a few of them. But yeah, I mean, the plan, like I say, if I'm being honest, Lakeside was never really the plan. It sort of happened accidentally. Um, and But the plan was to do Q School. Um, and then obviously the, the challenge for if you don't get a tour card. But... I've also really enjoyed doing the WDF tour these last few months, and that's sort of maybe thinking it might be worth doing another year on that. But I think you can't do everything because it's just you know there's just so much art um, out there, which is a good thing. But I think I think we just I haven't made that decision yet. I think I'll sit down with the partner and we'll discuss probably the best way forward because I think obviously finances will come into it a lot as well. Hmm. But I think what well, will definitely, definitely be a busy year next year. Um, just which route I'll do, maybe a bit of both, or pick one and stick to it. I just haven't decided yet. Of course. Well, thank you very much for your time this evening, Lee. I really appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in Lakeside in January. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast, so it's been a bit surreal being a guest. So thanks for having me, and um, yeah, I hope all you listeners have a good Christmas, and hopefully see you at Lakeside. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Lee. It was lovely to to catch up with him last week and always nice to hear that he's a fan of the show as well. He did play county for Lancashire over the weekend, as he mentioned on the podcast, and smacked in a 98.55 average in a 4-0 win over Sean Dring. So if he can maintain that kind of form in the first round and beyond at Lakeside, he'll be a very dangerous player indeed. Talking of the Lakeside, the format came out the end of last week that the schedule and the format came out the men starts with a best of three in the last 48 last 32 and last 16 are both best of five sets the quarterfinals are best of seven the semis are best of nine and the final is best of 11 now that's a step back on format from the BDO they had best of nine quarterfinals it was best of five in the last 32 best of seven in the last 16 
best of nine in the quarterfinals, best of 11 in the semis, and then best of 13 in the final. But obviously, giving more formats and more time to the other competitions means that obviously you can't have the same amount of time or Eurosport won't allot the same amount of time. So it makes sense that the men's have dropped that one, but there's a, a needed improvement to the format for the ladies. So ladies, the last 24, they kick off best of three. I think the highlight draws there obviously were... Laura Turner against the two-time reigning defending champion, Makura Suzuki. That's a horrible draw for both of them. But the winner of that will have got a very good win under their belt before they come up against Eileen de Graaf. So it could well help Laura or Makura, whoever comes through that tie. And then the other one that I'm sure a lot of people were looking out for, Paula Jacqueline's opponent, well, she got Rihanna Sullivan. So I think it's fairly safe to assume Rihanna will be into the second round. And her against Anastasia de Bromislava would be a... Very tough game to predict indeed, both tremendously gifted players. The ladies is best of three in the last 24, the last 16 and the quarterfinals before moving up to best of five for the semis. And in the first time ever for the ladies, best of seven sets in the final, which for my money is a fantastic move and, and, you know, very, very long overdue. Uh, the boys' competition, the draw for that, Louis Liptoe from Germany. He plays Bradley Roos, so the two Assen qualifiers got matched against each other. And then that means the two Lakeside qualifiers, Leighton Bennett and Charlie Large, they'll play in the other semi. Both of those semis are best of three sets. And then the final is the best of five. And the girls' final between Elena Cairns and Wiebke Riemann of Germany, that's best of three sets. All those finals will take place on the final Sunday. A couple of other highlights from the schedule. Friday is the quarterfinals day, so you'll have all four men's and all four ladies' quarterfinals on the same day, which means it's semi-final Saturday and final Sunday. The opening session of the tournament, I think, is a really interesting one. You've got Martin Adams against Jared Cole in the opening game. Realistically, there was never going to be anybody else you could open the World Championships with. Leonard Gates against Johnny Haynes in the second game. Paula Jacqueline and Rihanna Sullivan in the third. And then Ben Hazel against Hope Ipua, which I think is a really competitive game. Hard to predict that one. Andreas Harrison, he'll be the favourite, I would think, against Lajlo Kadar of Romania. And then the final game of the opening session is another ladies' affair between Cambridge's Amanda Harwood and Marjolaine Noyens from the Netherlands. Going to my picks and everything for, for the World Championship in a couple of weeks' time, on a full preview show where every time the tournament is going to be broken down with a special guest who's been doing the tour this year. Um, there's a lot to look out for. If you haven't got tickets and you're looking at going, I would suggest you book up. I know the new variant stuff and potential new measures is probably worrying people, but I think the World Championships is very much in safe hands and I'm really looking forward to it. I saw uh, rumours on social media tonight, um, not those rumours, but the other ones, Rumours on social media tonight that the broadcast team for Lakeside, or certainly the commentary team for Lakeside, is going to be Chris Murphy, John Rawling and Paul Nicholson, which I think is a really good choice. I think Chris Murphy getting that spot, if, if that rumour is correct, I think is fantastic news because he's tremendous. Done great work on the Live League this year and obviously on the PDC as well. Uh, and he'll be a welcome addition to the booth for Lakeside. Another episode next week, a couple of special things planned before the WDF World Championships and of course that preview show and I myself I will be at Lakeside from the Tuesday all the way through until the final which I'm very much looking forward to. As Richard Ashton said before it's a party to start the new year and I can't wait for it. Thank you very much to Sean and Lee for their time on this week's show. Thank you to you guys for listening. Your support is always greatly appreciated. 
You can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page, Inside the WDF. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And in the meantime, stay safe. <laughs>